Welcome to the session. This is the Blueprint Soccer Podcast, and I'm your host, Clint. If you find this podcast valuable, please share it with your teammates, friends, and family. Enjoy. And we are live. On this episode of the podcast, we are joined by one of my best friends, midfielder and captain for the New York Red Bulls, Sean Davis. All right, so you're telling me you want to turn the tables on me and talk to me about a few things. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, bro. I think it's time for me uh, to get some podcasting experience under my belt. I think uh, it'd be fun for me to interview you. I also think it's important for, uh, you know, you touched on this a little bit, but I think it's important for your listeners um, to get to know you even more. And I think you have really good perspective on the game. Uh, you're an interesting guy on and off the field. So I'm ready to, to interview you. We'll see how it goes. I can't promise uh, your listeners a high quality podcast like you've been uh, providing, but I can give it my best shot. All right. Let me, let me start with this then, if this is what we're really going to do. First, I got to get prepared for all the jokes that are going to come my way because it's going to be like, oh, Clint's run out of guests. Look, he's back to the beginning. He's got to get Sean again. He did the, he did the podcast about himself. Now he's got Sean. All right, here comes John next and then Aaron. He's just going to repeat the cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's no, a good point, bro. Those are going to be funny, funny to see. Oh, look, hey, this this comes with the territory. Though, it does. You know? It does. When you're when you're building an empire like you are, of <laughs> course you're gonna you're gonna open yourself up to some criticism. So. Don't don't read the comment section. I think you've learned that. <laughs> yeah, All right, so there you go. so I'll do this. Uh, uh, you'll you'll run the show. All right, you'll run this I'll episode. Yeah. Right. So whatever you want to talk about. I'll give you my answer and perspective and thoughts, whatever it is, based on the the question. But then I want you to touch on uh, a personal experience from that. So, for example, whatever you ask, I'll give my response. And then you tie in uh, a personal. Okay, nice. Yeah. So we'll keep it uh, pretty casual, free flowing. And, uh, you know, we'll see where we land. But, um, you know, I. And and if it goes well, if it goes really well, then we can potentially also have future episodes of yeah. you running them with somebody else yeah and me obviously. exactly okay so, sounds good i can't uh, wait to see what you got for me yeah here we go <laughs> sorry am i uh getting some interruptions here but here we go um it's part of the so game. i listened to your you know i listened to a few of your podcasts um most recently the one that you did yeah on yourself and even then you know we've <laughs> known each other for a long time but i'm like learning things in the car yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm putting it on a one and a half speed, but I'm getting a lot of, uh, you know, interesting tidbits. But I think it's important to to talk more about, um, you know, your perspective because you've experienced the game as a player, obviously, a player at a high level. You know, youth soccer player, high school, um, college, and now you're a coach, hmm. and so you have a you know a lot of different experiences that i think would be interesting to share and so i guess we'll start off with um you know your your youth career and you know i hope a lot of your players listen to this podcast and i guess my first question would be like what do you consider 
you know, one of the most important parts of your youth soccer career when you, when you look back on it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, I don't know if I could put my finger on one. Um, they all have come with like really valuable experiences. You know, we've been fortunate to play on some really good teams to work with some really good coaches and to be around a, a lot of good players. Um, ones that have gone on and been super successful like yourself. Um, and not many players get that perspective, nor do many coaches that coach today have all those different perspectives to have the opportunities that, that we've had. Usually you get a really good opportunity to work with a coach and maybe not so many good players or have the careers uh, like, like we've seen with, with some of our friends and, and including yourself. Um, but I think the most important um, or most valuable part of my career is the players um, and, and who I've gotten the opportunity to play with because I've seen so many different career paths and I'm able to go back and reflect on some of the, the you know, careers that I've seen uh, progress in a positive way and then completely go downhill. I think about super talented players that, you know, were really good at 12, 13, 14 years old and then completely fell off, which I want to then apply to my coaching experience. Like I see a lot of coaches get really, really excited about 12, 13, 14 year old players. And I think back on our experiences, some of the players that we've played with and it's like, oh man, like don't get ahead of yourself. Like we've seen those players, I've seen those players like completely fall off a cliff because they get mismanaged or they're not in the right environment. They're not nurtured properly. You know, they get this big ego. They're told they're going to, you know, become professional players. You don't know if a player is going to become a professional player until they actually become a professional player. Like I, I tie in, you know, Ronaldo and Messi all the time. And you still don't know if those players are going to be the players they're going to be until they have the success they have. Because we see so many players, even when they sign pro, like uh, I think of somebody that I would love to talk to uh, is Ravel Morrison, who's been in the, the news recently because I think Gary Neville has gotten after him and, and Roy Keane and some of the pundits like he was this unbelievable youth player and they said like he was going to be the the one like the next Pele Maradona and then uh and then whatever issues he's had has like fallen off this cliff granted he's now back in the the Premier League but he was in Manchester United's youth academy and and all this stuff and and then you know didn't progress the way everybody you know expected him to I think of even Boyan and the the list goes on and on right that you see all these different talents so Going back, getting the different perspectives and seeing the different careers and how they progress and how players were treated. So I think about our time at Red Bull and how certain players were, you know, maybe communicated to differently and how they were given the benefit of the doubt on certain maybe situations or in games. And then, you know, that that progresses on uh, to to uh, a college scene where kids get recruited and then you know they they may be a top recruit and they go into a different environment and it's like oh he's a top recruit he's going to play and then there's that comfort level so going back i know that kind of goes off on a, a tangent and maybe doesn't directly you know answer the question but the most valuable part is seeing all these different careers to see the the progress of careers and to see how players went about their 
their business in terms of what they did off the field, um, how they manage different situations and games. Um, I think of somebody like your, yourself that you know, really focus on the, the technical side at a really early age and put in incredible hours and times. And then I think of, um, and well, I won't throw anybody under the, the bus, but kids that like partied and, and lived it up and still was able to be uh, a successful player and go on. And it's like, well, how the hell did he do that? Like he was, he's going out every Friday and Saturday night and, and drinking it up. And it's just so interesting to see. So going going back again to your initial question i wanted to i think it's very valuable for me to see all the different career paths of how players progressed to then apply that to my now coaching experience and how i want to help continue to progress the game and and help nurture environments and and progress the game going forward so does that answer your question but if i guess i were to pick the most valuable experience it would i would I would have to toss it up between St. Benedict's and, and Red Bull just because of the, the environment and the players that I was around, the, the, uh, the coaching um, and the management and just the professional environment, right? Yeah, Does that answer think, it or uh, is that too, too all over no, the place? Yeah, that's, no, that's good. That gives me a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff to work with. I guess my initial point, uh, you know, my initial takeaway from your answer is when you put it like that, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, if I'm a young player listening, if I'm a, a parent listening, if I'm a you know a player on your team, I would think that you're a great resource, and I would encourage players to talk to you about all those different experiences that you have and all those um, you know different perspectives that you have because you've seen a lot of different players over the course of your career. Mm-hmm. Like you touched on, you've seen players that were dominant when they were 12, 13, 14, and they fade away. And you've also seen players that were dominant then and continue to be dominant and eventually go pro. And so I would hope that they use you as a resource um, and and everyone's path is different, right? I think that that's really important for young players listening is that, um, you know, and I touched on this a little in my podcast and I I know I sound like a broken record, but they should definitely use you as a resource. That's, I, I guess, one of my main takeaways. The second is, uh, you know, when you talk about all the different players that you've been able to, you know, play with and you've crossed paths with, it kind of reminds me of even a, a discussion I had with, with the Red Bull team now, with the first team. And we we had a really interesting talk on what's going on in our world right now with racism and different things like that. And, mm. um, you know, I don't want to get into that too much uh, because I want to focus on you. But I thought about my experience growing up and how I was so lucky to play the game of soccer because there's so much diversity. And, you know, I even think about your town, Kinalon. I grew up in Homedale. If I didn't have the game of soccer, I feel like I would have a lot less exposure to different cultures, different people. And I think that we're really lucky to play this game and um, really lucky to have those experiences under our belt. And so I definitely want to talk more about St. Benedict's and Rebels, but I think those are... uh, you know, really important points that we should stress. And, um, you know, those are some big, big takeaways from my youth career that I think are, are really important as mm-hmm. well. Let me let me say one thing, too, because I've gotten it a few times. I, I get like, oh, so you've never played pro. You've never had that that experience to really know what it takes 
to go pro. And I'm like, no, I have not played pro, but I have been around probably more players than a lot of people have had the opportunity. And I've gotten to see the different routes and, and ways and, and can share those perspectives of how the, the players have achieved what they did. We've been fortunate to be in it. I'm going to use the word elite environments. It gets tossed around so uh, loosely now, sure. but like being in with, with Red Bull and, and uh, St. Benix and the University of Akron, I mean, that speaks volumes alone for the resume of players sure. that have come out of each and to be fortunate enough to see those players. And that's the biggest reason I wanted to get into coaching because I saw all these different pathways of even just a, from progression as a 12 year old to an 18 year old into college and then from 18 year old okay do you leave college after your first semester or do you do three and a half years like yourself and then have the opportunity to to sign like um yeah it, there's no one right pathway and just to be able to share those perspectives because it just seems so often now it's like okay how do i become a pro well there's so much more that goes into that, that and you can't just say, oh, you, how do I go on this route to become a pro? I don't think right. there's one answer and people get so caught up. And now with Academy saying that too, oh, well, well, we got the pathway. We have the secrets to, to have you go pro. Well, how do you do like how there, there is no yeah. direct pathway. Exactly. So. And I think like when you bring that up and, uh, you know, just thinking of trying to put myself in your shoes and maybe someone saying, yeah, well, Clint, you never went pro. I would say you were pretty damn close to going pro. And on top of that, um, you know, there's so many players that want to play high school soccer. Then there's mm -hmm. so many players that want to play college soccer, let alone for a school like Akron. And so, um, you know, I think you do have a, a lot of important experiences under your belt and you should be really open and you are to sharing, yeah. um, you know, sharing and talking about your journey and what went right and what went wrong. And so, I guess that could lead to another good question is what, you know, for the youth players listening, what would you do differently? What do you look back on and say you wish um, you would have done more of or less of? Mm. And, um, you know, what lessons now as a coach have you taken from, from your youth career? Yeah. Um, well, one right off the bat, because it's relatively recent, um, is I wouldn't say there are any regrets, but I think almost I, I, let's not say everyone, but a majority of players going into college, I believe, should redshirt unless you are very special. And that's very well known in terms of you are a top recruit. You're getting letters from every school. Um, you have the potential opportunity to sign pro. Right. Unless you are one of those guys, I would try and figure out a way to redshirt and I know scholarship money goes into that and there's a whole bunch of issues the coach may want you to play some sometimes and you're probably thinking well if I'll play sometimes it's better than nothing but you want to be playing all the time and if you really don't get that understanding of the program you're in um, I think it's very valuable to, to redshirt and then get that extra year of maturity on the back end to then have your opportunity if you really want to pursue a, a professional career to have that extra time to, to develop and mature. And again, that's not a one size fits all. Um, but if I were to go back, like if I were to really go back as a player, like I said, I, again, I got really fortunate in the environments that, that I was in. So I really didn't have to make 
some of the tough decisions a lot of players need to to make. I kind of fell into some great opportunities. I talk about the one with Brian and going to Pasco. Like if that never happened, then I think there are a whole bunch of other variables that come into play that I have to think about. So I'm at Kinelon Soccer Club and it's like, maybe I'm, I'm plateauing uh, as a player and there's no growth. And then it's like, okay, how do I explore my next opportunity? Which this is the point that, that I want to talk about. I think it's really important to identify a player's needs. And I think this is something that I want you to talk talk about since your episode seems forever ago. You touched on it when we, we talked about you moving to match fit from Pasco. But I think players and families really need to identify their needs. I think too often players and families are just looking for the best team, the best academy. But what is the best academy for that player? Like, for for instance, I know for you, you wanted to look for a particular coach that you thought could help you develop. I don't think families, players do that often enough. They don't do their research and finding out who the best coach is. And if a best coach, this best coach isn't at whatever, a top academy, um, I'm not getting Red Bull, all those MLS academies are, are separate. They're in their, their own league, but you name it. Uh, Cedar Stars, uh, Match Fit, um, TSF, you name the clubs relatively in New Jersey. If there are people listening outside, just think of your, your quote unquote major local clubs, whether you're in California, Texas, you name it, um, to really identify what you want out of your experience. Is it to win? Okay, go to the team that wins. Are you going to play all the time? Don't get mad when you don't play if you want to be on the team that is always winning. Do you want to be with the best coach where you know that he has a proven track record of really helping players, talk to other families that have worked with that coach? Um, Just really finding your specific need. Do you want to play all the time? Okay, you may not want to go to the best team. Right. If you are on the a team that you're playing all the time on, maybe you need the next challenge and maybe you want to look for a coach that maybe can help you um, move on to a bigger club, so on and so forth. But really identify your needs and specify short term goals and stick to those goals. And I think you're really good at, at touching on that where you've we won't even drop names. I don't even know if people can can reach out to this guy because his number is like hidden under a rock. But um he, uh, he was somebody that you obviously wanted to work with and really helped you in your career. And um, I think go- he set a lot of goals for you, short-term, long-term goals. And I don't think a lot of kids are now willing to put in the, the time and, and stick to the, the path and are motivated enough to do that. It's just all about results now. And um, you know, starting training again uh, after coming back and it's like, kids don't seem extremely motivated or they're not doing things on their own. They need somebody always pushing them, which if you're not pushing yourself and doing things on your own and really doing these things off the field to then prepare yourself on the field in terms of, okay, whatever. I want to work with this coach because I know he has this reputation or I want to go to this team because I know without a doubt that I'll play every minute of every game. I guess you don't even know that at the, at the time. Um, but that that answer a little bit i think these finding these specific um uh characteristics or um or uh variables where it's like 
I want to work with a coach, I think is is the main focus. Don't get caught up in all the other variables in terms of facility or um, whatever, what league a team is in. I think it's important to really focus on the important things such as the coaching environment the, the uh, or the club environment, the coaches, um, maybe some of the other players that you're around. Um, those were all things that, that I thought about. So I talked about in my podcast when I needed to find more minutes, right? There were probably a hundred other clubs that are not a hundred other. There were countless other clubs that I could have gone to in New Jersey other than PDA. But then I thought about the coaches and, and the environment and some of the other players where I would have an opportunity to maybe play a little bit more because, you, you know, that Red Bull team, there are so many talented players. It's so hard to manage that that uh, roster. I mean, I could have easily saved myself probably a quarter of the or half the driving that I did by just going from Kinelon to Newark and then finding a club in between Newark and Kinelon to hit on the way back home, you know, maybe in Wayne or something and could have gone there and, and played more, way more than I was playing at Red Bull. But then was the, the coaching environment and the club environment going to be beneficial? So really identify your needs as a, as a player and what you really, really want. So right. that's just Ozil, don't worry. <laughs> just the dogs, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, a couple thoughts on that. I mean, coaching, I see a lot of similarities in, you know, our paths and, we're lucky enough that, um, you know, soccer allowed us to, to become friends. Mm-hmm. But starting at a young age, we both had coaches that were extremely passionate about the game yeah. and, like, shaped our shaped our, our paths and mm-hmm. journeys. And you have Fernando at what was that third grade, and I yeah. loved hearing that story on your podcast with Brian. And, you know, I think uh, when we look back on our careers – you know, and I, I had Coach Jay and Coach For John, sure. who you know, yeah. um, back in second grade. But, um, you know, when I think about Fernando, I just think, you know, he was so important for, for both of us. And, um, you know, you could tell how much he loved the game and how much he uh, he valued, like, chemistry on and off the field. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, our, we talk a lot about the importance of parents. Uh, but I think also, like you touched on, co- having good coaching is, is really important. And I think that, Um, you know, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but as you've grown as a coach, you've come to realize how important it is, um, in terms of shaping and influencing, um, youth players. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think that, that, that's a a really good point. And when I think about my journey, it's, it, like I always say, it's a marathon, not a sprint and you can't get caught up in, you know, short term results because Mm -hmm. ultimately at the end of the day, um, we all have longer term goals that we want to reach, whether that's playing high school, whether that's playing college or, or playing, uh, you know, pro. Yeah. And so if we get caught up as, um, you know, parents or coaches and, uh, you know, the results of one game, um, you know, is that really worth it? And in the long run, you know, I'm not sure. So I think that, um, you know, it is really important to, to focus on player development, player growth. And that's not something that's going to come with the snap of a finger. You know, it takes, you got to chip away at it. And, uh, when I look at my, my path, that's certainly true. Same for you, same for all the players. It's, it's, um, you know, it's a longer term game than most people realize. And sometimes I think like ego gets in the way of player development, um, trying to win games, uh, every weekend or win tournaments gets in the way. And I, I think that's certainly true when I think about coach Williams, 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, his unique approach that was really helpful for a player like myself. And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot to take away from that. And, um, again, to build a strong foundation, I think that that's, that's been really important. So, um, I, think I you, definitely agree. Yeah. I think you nail it right on the head there with incremental steps. I think too often players want to jump the gun in terms of their next step. Um, and it, it happens from 12 year old to, to professional. And I, I see it with uh, some younger players where they're maybe really successful in a smaller club environment where they're playing all the time, they're getting looked after, they're getting you know nurtured by, by the coach. And then all of a sudden this, this bigger club comes along and it's like, oh, this is the top player on this team. We're gonna bring him in because he's, he's the best player on that team and he's gonna right. help us. But is that really the best jump for yeah, that like player. coaching, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, poaching happens all over the world. Poaching happens wherever. But I'm saying, like, maybe it's not the best step. Like, really look into it because you know your eyes are gonna light up by, oh, look at this club coming in, and then maybe you go in and the kid just struggles to adapt to the environment or uh, the coaching style, and then maybe that kid doesn't play, and then he loses a year like really evaluate the the opportunity and then i'm sure all the listeners are like trying to figure out who if they're from new jersey who's fernando where where can i find this coach so i can go play for his team everybody's got to wait until uh brian or myself or johnny has a son or you have a son and then he'll get back into coaching <laughs> yeah exactly so he just started listening to the podcast by the way brian just oh, introduced it. it so a little shout out to to fernando so Um, Yeah, no, those are some of the best memories that we have. But yeah, I just I think that coaching and guidance and having the right guidance is so important because to continue to make the the jump, you have to really, you know, the stars have to align. And uh, but I think I think too a lot of a lot of players and, and parents don't have a good understanding of how to evaluate a coach. Yeah, like so often sure. now on on social media, everybody has the the secret sauce to be becoming a, a pro, and then they get to see all these different drills on or, or activities uh, via social media. Like it looks like people are landing airplanes on the field, and they got all this irrelevant stuff. I think about the the shit that you do, and all these guys like Giuseppe does uh, in the the off season in terms of yeah. their workouts. Um, and I do very general game related things that doesn't look super fancy, but it's, it's relative to what you do on the field. And some people may look at it as monotonous or boring, but essentially it's game related when there's all this other stuff going on. So, so there may be stuff that's appealing to the eye that kids and parents are like, Oh, that's where I need to be. But then you think about the movements and what they're doing in an activity and it's like, how in the when is this going to apply to to a game or right yeah i think that's game? like one of the uh the issues that um you know comes out of social media this day yeah. uh, these days and i'm sure that as a youth coach you see it all the time but it's easy i'm sure it's it's hard for me to speak on it because we didn't have uh, access to social no, media as much as youth that. players have yeah. it now but now you can you know log on to instagram and you can see the latest move or trick yeah. or you can watch uh neymar or mbappe like do whatever they want on the field, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's not for everyone. And no. I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm always going to say this, but I don't think that there is some secret formula. You know, it really just mm-hmm. comes to f- down to fundamentals. 
um, hard work, sacrificing, and putting in more time than than other players. And um, you know, we can't stress this enough. But no. everyone's path is different. But For sure, um, it it really does come down to um, you know having the right people around you, and also just putting in in more time than other players and make really good calculated decisions right make maybe not really i don't think that makes sense actually making really good calculated decisions making a calculated decision that you know you feel really good about instead of just making a decision and not really weighing all the options and and uh and variables in it like if you really want to progress and give yourself the best chance you got to take the time and the decision making process and evaluate what's important and do your research and now with the information that we have access to or families and players have access to it should be so much easier than when we were growing up you know so right take advantage of that for sure yeah so I get so as a coach now. What are what are some challenges that you face? Um, you know whether that's handling youth players because I you know I I work closely with the MLSPA yeah. and they talk a lot about coaching because a lot of guys want to go into coaching after their careers. Mm-hmm. But what I've heard from what I've heard is it's that it's difficult to go from being a professional player yeah. to youth coaching. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's easier to go from professional player to professional to being a professional coach or coaching for a professional team. Um, just because there are different challenges when it comes to working with youth players yeah. and parents and for, uh, yeah. designing drills for youth players. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear what um, you know what your growth as a coach has been like, mm-hmm. and what are some challenges that you face or have had to face uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, we've, we've actually talked about this uh, uh, with who I potentially hope to have on the podcast and we can can maybe talk about it at the end a little bit further. But like I think of somebody like Gary Neville, right, that is really intelligent, had a relatively very good career playing at Manchester United and gets into coaching at Valencia and is whatever, fired after like six games. Like we can talk about how, how his coaching career went I would love to get him on to see uh for him to talk about that experience but I think the communication aspect of it um is the most important piece like because people have the information you know the game Gary Neville obviously understands the game there are a ton of players that understand the game but then how you communicate it to the players is the the biggest learning curve which I've been very fortunate to be thrown into a lot of environments where I've gotten the opportunity to to learn and make mistakes and then grow from it and then talk to other people about how to maybe manage a situation differently. Um, so I think communication is the the biggest piece um, and, and understanding how players tick and how players um, retain the information that's given to you. Some it needs to be demonstrated, some it needs to be written down, some it just needs to be um, you know, said to the to the player. But um communication for me is the the most important learning curve and how you share the information and what you want a player or a team to do. Um again I'll tie it into information is 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 key um and giving the proper information and sharing probably more information than necessary when you communicate. Um, and then uh, showing that you care, I think too. It's I know it sounds corny, um, but if you show the players that you care, you get so much more 
out of them and they're willing to give to you what you're giving to them. If you're, you know, half-assing it and, you know, being uh, conservative with your approach and passive, then, and you all of a sudden demand all this stuff, then, you know, the players aren't going to give that. I think of Diego Simeone. He looks like a lunatic on the sideline, uh, but he's giving all this stuff and his players give exactly the same back to him, you know, and they get really good results relative to, to, to the team and who they have to compete against on a, on a week-to-week basis. Um, and then something that I thought about recently, which is something I really uh, didn't think about much, which I think is a massive piece of it as well, um, is not showing frustration. Um, and that's another one of those things where it's so hard to do because uh, like if you show your frustration, I think of coaches like, man, even Fernando showed that he was frustrated. Uh, coaches show, every coach shows that they're frustrated. But as if you can limit it as much as you can, um, then I think you get a better response out of your players. Because if you see that a coach is frustrated as a, a player, then you have a negative reaction to that as well. So trying to keep things as positive you, as you can and, and being encouraging, um, and uh, and limiting those negative emotions, especially when you show them uh, on the field. If you keep things positive, then that next play will, will be positive. If you show a negative emotion and you show that frustration, then a player sees that, then they're they're screwed for for the next player, maybe the rest of the game. So, um, and then I guess going into to challenges. Yeah, you nailed it with parents. That is. Uh, it, it can get difficult. and uh, Yeah, I get... wait, let me cut you off, Clint, because I want to talk about some of the points you made. Go for um, it. You know, I think it's really important um, as a coach, you know, I could talk about it at my, like, even at the professional level, you want to play for a coach. Um, yeah, that you mean, have shit, look at Jesse, not necessarily look at Chris. A, a good, yeah, a good relationship with, but someone, you, you know, like, there's nothing better than playing for a coach that you want to run through a brick wall for, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that I've been lucky to have that with Jesse, um, Jesse Marsh yeah. and Chris Armas now. And when you, and you can't fake it as a coach, no. you know, if, I think if, if you try to fake, like you care about the players, the players can see right through that. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's a, a really important message for coaches out there to hear is that it's, you know, there's just nothing better than having a, a real genuine uh, relationship with the coach and, messaging is important communication is is really important and you know for me um and and i don't have the experience in coaching that you do but i think that that's half the battle having a mutual respect between players and coach you know certainly goes a long way um so i think that that's uh that's a really important point that you bring up let me tell you a quick little story too to tie that in so as you know with with taking the teams to dallas cup um when we won in 2000 and 17 um, and 18. Every year that I've been there uh, since I've started coaching, the one thing that I've done is I've taken the kids to eat wherever they want to eat. Sure. Right? So go. not everybody, yeah. not everybody wants to eat the same thing. And the, <laughs> there are probably coaches listening, like, what the hell are you doing? Feed them pasta and, and give them grilled chicken and salad and be done with it. But we, when we go down there, you know, we have the vans, right? We'll take the players right after the game. And it's like, okay, who wants Chipotle? Who wants to go get pizza? 
it's like we've literally there are kids that want to go get mcdonald's right there are kids that want to go get you know whatever so we figure out where they want to go divvy up the vans and then figure out in the relative location where those places are and go and take them to eat and the my message is with this it's like i'll do whatever you want off the field but then when i ask you to do something on the field you're gonna do it right and you i'm gonna there's gonna be that mutual respect i'll i'll do whatever you want on the off the field if this is what makes you perform the best eating mcdonald's and and staying up till two in the morning right and you're gonna perform you know at an extremely high level i don't care what you do off the field i'll help you do whatever you want to do off the field in terms of taking you where to eat you know taking you to the to the store to go get snacks or food whatever it is but then when it comes to get on the field like you you're going to yeah. get it done or else there's going to be there's going to be issues yeah, and i think sure. i actually picked that up from from fernando right that was the first time i really experienced that where he would you know really take care of the the players in terms of like i i brought it up in the podcast like if we're going to do stuff on the field we'll get rewarded with ice cream off the field because right. that's what you know we we looked forward to but little things like that really committing to that it, yeah right? and saying I think that goes a long way whatever you you want off the field but then when it comes on the field we got to get it done or else that shit isn't going to happen anymore off the field so 100 percent, and i think like that that ties into communication and like yeah it sounds so cliche and maybe even corny but just listening you know the same way you want the players to listen to you, you have to be able to listen to the players. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to stay on your ground at times, but it's important that they have a voice as well and that they're heard and that, um, you know, you're not just blocking them off and, you know, what they're feeling. And so, yeah, I think I agree. That goes a long way. And, and it definitely, uh, it's important at the youth level, the college level, mm-hmm. pro level, and just in life in general, you know. So I think that's really important for, coaches and um you know that's certainly important at at red bull for sure yeah 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 there are countless stories by the way that we could tell like i think especially at the collegiate level it gets taken advantage of because there's so many resources there and then the performances i feel like lack in a lot of environments and people i know they're all different variables that go into it but you talk about the facilities you talk about the the staff in terms of athletic trainers if you're feeling tight you can go get stretched after class in a massage and then you go in the hot tub in the cold tub and then you know some places have saunas like the the access to material it's like you get taken care of so well off the field and then again it goes into okay what's the communication like to the players like is it properly shared because you could have all those resources and then you may struggle on the field because of the information and communication or the style of the the coach and that's a whole nother story but if you have access to the stuff off the field and for the most part there are a lot of places that you have proper communication and and information from the coaches then should yield some more positive results and higher level of of uh of play yeah so actually that that brings up a good point so you've interviewed some some top coaches on the podcast Mm -hmm. what do you think they have in common what makes them good at what they do uh, I think it's their their communication and their commitment to the to the players. I mean, I think of of somebody like Bobby Muse, who was who was on the the podcast, uh, Wake Forest head coach that has had so much success. Sure, he's had the opportunity to work with a lot of top players, but as you know, it's not always easy to manage 
all the top players. You, if you can, you can have all the top players in the world, but if you can't manage them and communicate what you need uh, to them properly, then it doesn't matter with the, the talent that you have and being able to work all those pieces um, together. So yeah, the communication piece seems the, the most important and then treating them as the person first rather than the player and figuring out the, the person first and their needs um, and maybe some of the challenges that, that they face off the field, whether that's in the classroom or at home or whatever, dealing with those situations first and showing you're, you're committed to, to them as a person rather than just their results on the field as a player. So, um, yeah, I've, I hope to have more coaches on um, and to, to talk more to them about how they manage the player. Um, because I hope to, like I said, continue to grow this game and give players and coaches the information, you know, to, to maybe give them a different perspective on how to go about a different situation or go about different situations. Yeah, that's so. interesting. You know, even thinking about the different uh, age groups and, you know, youth players, college players, and talking about your coaching style or the challenges you face. They're different than the challenges that, that college coaches face. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it, it does come down to that communication piece. And um, yeah, I guess you can touch upon this now. Yeah, I think, like, hold on real quick, because you, you said that. I think um, regardless, if it's a 12-year-old or a 20-year-old, still treating them as a person the same way. Like, yeah, you'll obviously communicate to a 12-year-old different than you would to a 20-year-old, and they're dealing with different situations. But... Um, I guess, how do I want to word this? You got to treat them the same, like demand the same thing, right? You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, communicate to the, to the play or sorry, to the person before the, as he would be as a player, she would be as a player. So like a 12 year old figuring out, you know, why they're struggling with, with school and showing them that they care and still hold them to that same standard that you would to uh, a 20 year old why are you struggling in the classroom and hold them you know to the same expectations right but yeah the communication you're not gonna you know potentially be uh cursing at a, a 12 year old you maybe be right. um you know a little bit harsher to a 20 year old but the communication is relatively the same and the demands are the same i hope that makes sense yeah it does so what uh so how do you deal with playing time for players at the youth level and how do you deal with parents i need to know because that scares the <laughs> yeah it scares the hell out of me to be honest well it's like it's one of those things in in youth soccer where a lot of coaches tend to be uh, uh puppets to a lot of families um like again my environment i think is very different to a lot of clubs um I mean, you know me. I'm very transparent. The, my my families know that. My players know that. I'm very transparent and open and a straight shooter. Um, I think playing time is is important for all players. Is it guaranteed for all players? Yes, but not in the same environment. You got to find your level. If you want to play, you need to find your level, right? You a coach won't not play a player if he's deserving and should be on the field. So I started working with, with younger kids. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I took over a, uh, a 2008 team um, 
which was playing 9v9. So this is the year before they go to 11v11. And I took the approach that this year, preparing for 11v11, that every player is gonna have relatively the same playing time in the beginning because I wanted to get to know the players. I thought it was important to continue to develop. That also upset parents because it was equal playing time for a lot of the parents. So there's never a win-win, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't make think, everyone happy. But I think, um, I think that when you get to 11 v 11, it, it can't be, you know, given the player maybe a benefit of the doubt or an opportunity that's not deserved and given playing time, you know, that's not earned. I think when it comes to 11 v 11, it's you 13, um, you know, it's, it should be the best players play, the players that earn and deserve and are capable of contributing to the team, right? It may not be the best player on the team, but you may contribute in terms of work rate and winning back balls and understanding his role or her role on the team, I think uh, is, is important. But when I, when I think there are so many opportunities to play, if you want to play all the time, there's a club for you. Right, you just have to find that club. Um, but then again, there's no guarantee that you play all the time, right? You really need to find your fit. And I know that sounds complicated, and it's like, oh, he's just giving us the the politically correct answer. But there really is a club for everybody. I think if, if I want to go play right now, I can find a club that I'll play all the time at, right? Like there's a right. there's a 15 year old kid out there that maybe may be really really good and and plays at red bull and is like i could be playing all the time so yeah go find a club that maybe is a step down from red bull if you want to play all the time but to manage and keep everybody happy is the the biggest challenge right because i said there's no win-win uh with when it comes to to playing time there's always going to be somebody that's unhappy but that goes back to what i was talking about earlier in terms of finding out what your needs and what you really want out of your experience right if you're on a team it's because i want to work with that coach if it's because you want to play all the time then you better find a club that you're going to play all the time at you know so um yeah it's a challenge um i think it's just about communication again where it's being transparent and saying here's how it's going to go right you're either in or you're out and i think uh i i learned i actually did a coaching course with uh coach williams and he's he's a straight shooter like that in terms of look this is how the ship is going to run and you either can be on it or you should get off of it now right you know and i think that transparency is is lacking in a lot of environments because everybody wants to keep everybody happy but it's just not possible Right. So. so do you treat, uh, is your approach different from, let's say, the U12s to the U, I don't know, U18s in it, terms of it's playing slightly, time? So, so yes, right now it is. But next year when they're both 11 v 11, they'll be treated the same. Or this coming okay. season when they go, the younger guys go 11 v 11. Since I had just taken over the team, my approach was different where I was transitioning right. and I wanted to figure out and give players the the benefit of the doubt and have a better understanding of them as, as people and players and to give them different roles on the team. And, and it was like a trial and error period. 
but now that they're going 11 v 11, they'll be treated, the U13s will be treated the same way as the U18s or U19s. Okay. I think that's important to, to do because right. then they learn the demands and the expectations so they're prepared at, you know, 14, 15, going, going on to, if they really want to progress. And if you're in these quote unquote academy, right, that's what, that's what they should be preparing you for at, at 13 years old. Right? right. The development is if you're if you're good enough, then you will be playing. Like I know that it, there's all this talk about development to to just prepare players. But if players aren't playing games, it doesn't matter all this training that you're doing. If you don't know how to do it in a game, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's difficult. That is the the most I challenging. Can't imagine. And most- so how often are you know parents? I don't know if you're comfortable saying this. How often are parents reaching out to you? Um, either complaining or well, that's why, thanking you or praising you. Yeah, or... so that's that's one of the, the biggest misconceptions with, uh, with uh, soccer coaches because youth soccer coaches are now full-time jobs. They're full-time employment opportunities, right? And it's like, oh, you're, not, you're just preparing training sessions. Maybe you can do that like an hour before and prepare. And then you have the couple hours of training in the evening. And then, you know, the rest of the day you're free. But... The reality is you're preparing for so much in terms of games and training and scheduling and you're getting calls from parents and players, whether that's, you know, oh, why did this happen in this game? How can, you know, um, you know, how can so-and-so play more and earn more minutes? What do they need to do off the field? Can you do an evaluation form and fill this out and talk about, you know, uh, opportunities in terms of who he should go or she should go and do personal training with? Do they need to go to, you know, speed school or, or strength, whatever it is? Like you have, you have conversations daily um, about the, um, the uh, how to help their their son or daughter right they're so, like the now that rela- i think about it parents are like the agents yeah <laughs> they're like the yeah. agents for pro players well that's why you see so many parents now trying to act as agents for their for their yeah. kids where it's, it's like crazy. they're trying to negotiate they're always trying to negotiate right and i get that well this is i think we're gonna gonna talk about this too um in terms of the youth structure which we can can get into and how maybe we can avoid some of it but um yeah it's uh it's tough because they are paying for a service right so they want the information which they deserve um but yeah sometimes it's it's relentless where it's like almost out of it it's it's too too extreme i can't so, imagine so. i can't it it's stressful and, and i think they have the right intentions you know they care about their kids but maybe they're not always the most understanding about they're not, how well that's the thing that I want to do with this podcast right to have the different perspectives where parents are I don't have a kid yet you don't have a kid yet but to I I think Nellie and Ozil are the best dogs in the world right you can't can't tell me anything else but the same thing goes with the parents where their kid is the the best player or um, you know is deserving of more minutes and they're always comparing um, to the most the, to the littlest of details um, so not really thinking about or having a good understanding of what actually went on so that's why I encourage like the players to step up and have those dialogues and ask the the questions necessary to help them 
progress in in their career you know so yeah. taking responsibility for the players i wish uh and i hope that they do more of and and more coaches and and clubs encourage that but then at the end of the day since the the parents write the checks and, and pay the bills they're the ones that want the the final say so that's one of those those big hurdles but like i said they're they're deserving because we're ultimately providing a service and part of that service is to communicate right. the different um you know asks and demands that they have so i guess my next question would be what you know what's the most satisfying part of coaching for you i think uh you know like what's a great day what's a great day oh just a day oh um we could start there yeah what's a great you know you 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 get home and you say that was a great day as a coach i'm really happy with that day yeah i know it it may seem it may seem bad or uh, how I'm going to word this, but when a training session goes really fast and like the, the training sessions, you know, back to back or feel like they were only 15 minutes when in reality they were over three hours, uh, then it's like, wow, that was a really productive training session and the players got a lot out of it. Um, and that may sound contradictory because if something goes fast, then it's like, oh, well, it got lost, like nothing got, got done. But um, when practice sessions uh drag on and they feel like they take forever then it feels like you're doing something wrong or the players aren't getting you know anything out of the session where it's uh where it's like if it flies by like i get players you know saying to me oh it's done already it's like yeah look this is what we did we did you know 25 minutes of of uh pattern play and then we we played possession and then we and then we played at the end small sided and it's like, wait, it's it's seven thirty already. Yeah, look, this is that's because you got to, uh, you you were you were working. This is you were moving through it, and and you were enjoying it. Um, so I said, look, next time make more out of the session, and then those sessions go even faster. So um, right. I think just having a real um, nice progressional training session in terms of starting off and and maybe doing pattern play and then having the possession relate to the to the pattern play and then tying that into to just having them play uh relative to what was done in the in the uh uh, possession and and functional work right so if we want to get the ball wide in the in the pattern play and then in the possession you got to encourage getting the ball wide and then when you play the the final segment whether that's 4v4 or 7v7 9v9 11v11 demand that the players get the ball wide since that's what was worked on earlier in the session so yeah when a training session goes fast that's a a good day even though it's sad that it goes goes by fast i hope that didn't come off the wrong way to the listeners no it doesn't i think it's the same way with uh in the professional environment like i think players feel really good about a session when it's really well organized it's yeah. one thing to the next it's competitive there's a lot of playing there's a lot of touches when it flows um, but i think is the best yeah it's the best players get it. upset when um or unhappy i guess with a session when it feels like it's dragged on yeah there's a little too much standing around um you feel like you're, you've been out there for a long time and it's not as productive as as you want so mm-hmm. that makes sense for sure yeah, so then, man, I feel like I could. This could be a five, six hour yeah, podcast. But of course, it can be. Let, let's try to be. wrap up. Let's try to wrap up the coaching. I'd like for you to talk about, you know, for any. Um, well, first of all, we talked about a good day as a coach. Mm-hmm. 
what have what has been like maybe one of your best or favorite accomplishments as a coach so far? I know you you've had a lot of success at St. Mm-hmm. Benedict's. You've had a lot of success with Cedar Stars, Dallas Cup, like you mentioned. You know, quickly, what's uh, I guess one of your favorite memories as a coach? I think um, I think it continues to happen as I coach in terms of seeing players go on and having success, whether that's in college. There uh, have not been any players that I've worked with that have gone uh, that have signed professionally yet, but it's super rewarding to see a player go into a collegiate environment and play right off the bat because I think that really defines you as a coach. Uh, If a player is having success at the next level, that means you are putting him or her in the right environment and and demanding the things that would prepare that person, player, to then be successful at the next level. I think it's all about progression. Like, sure, the Dallas Cup wins and and, and uh, tournament wins and, and national championships with St. Benedict's are all really re- rewarding. But um, I've quickly come to see, like, seeing the success of players go on and play at the University of Akron, at VCU, at a uh, kid is just going to high point now to see um, two kids that came from Brazil as freshmen that now are uh, going into Jacksonville University. It was a dream of theirs to go to school together as as twins. They came here to St. Benedict's to, and they, you know, we were like, yeah, if you guys could get scholarship opportunities to go on to play at the, the same school, that would uh, essentially be a miracle because you know how difficult it is for a player to get a scholarship for two um to have the opportunity to go to school together. We were just like trying to hope and figure out a way to get them to go to school in the same region. But for them to go to the same school um, was super rewarding because that was one of their their goals that they they set when they, they came in as freshmen. So I think seeing the success as players at the next level um, is the most rewarding thing. And uh, is something that you know I hope to continue to, to strive for and, and help players progress, whether that's um, to college, which I think is the, the most logical route for almost 99% of the players. And then um, from there, maybe they need a semester at college and they can sign pro. Maybe they need four years or maybe they just have, maybe they win a, a Mac Herman Award and they're the best college soccer player and they go on to be a, a doctor or accountant or whatever. And that would still be super rewarding. So um, the first year, you know, the first year when I started coaching uh, at Benex, we had the worst worst year in in school history um, yeah. in terms of the record. It must have been a tough start. Yeah, it was, start. I thought we were cursed. I thought I was cursed. And then that was the same, the following uh spring was when we won Dallas Cup so that team turned it around very fast and to to manage them and or because it's essentially the same group of players that played for St. Benedict's in the fall and then it was 2016 and then in the spring of 2017 put on uh, the Cedar Stars uniforms to then uh, win that Dallas Cup championship so um, I guess if that was one moment as a as a coach, that's probably the most rewarding. I guess six months to see that progression. And that wasn't easy because that was almost that was a team in turmoil, 
Um, and we were trying to figure out you know, egos and, and personalities and then to go down into, uh, I think it's one of the most prestigious tournaments in the world when it comes to youth tournaments because of the global draw of teams that go there. Um, and it's not one of those tournaments where you go and play three games and you're done. It's okay, can you get out of the group? If you get out of the group, you got quarterfinals. Win quarterfinal semi onto the final, and then you've played six games in in uh, seven days or, or whatever, eight days is not not easy, as you know. So, yeah, those are those are probably the, the most rewarding moments. So. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And I think, uh, you know, to your first point, as a coach, you have a, a great platform to affect change and influence players' lives and, uh, you know, I personally love hearing about uh, different players you're coaching, their progression, you know, wh- where they're being recruited, um, their potential, um, yeah, their overall potential and, and where you see them fitting into the college game or the mm-hmm. professional game. And so, uh, you know, I think it's important for you to hear, but any youth coach to hear is, is that it's it's great that you have that platform to, to really make a, a real difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think you're certainly doing that, especially with Cedar Stars, with St. Benedict's. Um, you're working with a lot of awesome kids. So just encourage you, even through the tough moments, keep going, man, because that's a, that's a way to make a, a real difference. Well, that's the other thing, too, with the podcast is that you, you've heard and you've shared the, the experience that you've had as a youth player um, where I wanted to really show and have the you guys share the different uh, pathways that you went to achieve uh, where you are today and um, they're all so different right I think of somebody like Matt Turner who didn't even start to play competitive soccer until his junior or really senior year of, of high school um, and now is part of the national team pool as a as a goalkeeper and then to hear, hear even somebody like Danny Royer, right? His experience in Europe and how that compares to here in the States. And then obviously yours and, and Aaron, so I name everybody. They, there's all different approaches. It's, in, it's not this consistent uh, or this uh, common um, pathway where everybody's like, yeah, I started, um, I, got, uh, I got recruited to play at this professional academy. Uh, I signed when I was 17 and, and the rest is history. There's so many very, oh, I played high school for you know my first two years and then I thought I needed to go to uh, uh, an academy team, but you know I didn't enjoy the environment, so I went back to high school and then I got recruited by whatever, an ACC school and then I was uh, a generation Adidas player, you know? Like there are just so many different pathways and I want players to recognize that there's not one way and to really think about the different uh ways you could get to where you want to go whether that's college or as a as a pro but again focus on going to college first and not going don't don't get ahead of yourself is is the biggest message i think yeah I think, you know, and we could talk about this for hours but yeah. i think the youth soccer landscape is changing and you know when you compare it to other american sports uh, soccer, you can go pro at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when you think about basketball or football, you know, you're required to go to college. And so it's interesting right. to see this landscape changing. And I know I've had this conversation with the Duke coaches um, mm-hmm. because they'll put in work for years on kids and then they'll go pro. And that must be a very yeah. uh, difficult, um, you know, difficult process at times. Uh, but again, 
we could have that conversation for hours alone. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a good transition because I want to hear more about, um, the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, you've talked about all the different conversations you've had. So, um, I guess you can touch on, um, you know, and you've talked about this in, in your podcast already, but for new listeners, what, what inspired you to start this podcast and, you know, what has been your favorite part about having your own podcast? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess who inspired it? It's got to be Joe Rogan. I guess it's got to be it. Um, you know me, I listen to those driving back and forth to Pennsylvania all the time. Um, and he just has such real conversations. And I think I mentioned it in my episode. How am I going to wear that? In my episode, the one that I just <laughs> did, episode 25, um, about you know sharing perspectives and having real conversations that people could relate to. Um, and have an informative conversation and share perspectives and ideas um, because I felt so often there are so many um, podcasts out there and so many interviews where professional players come on and they share uh, a specific experience or um, whatever, a moment in their career or how they got to uh, a moment in their career, a specific game, whatever. But then a player or a family or whoever is listening that wants the educational component doesn't really get anything out of it. It's more of that enjoyment and entertainment where it's like, I asked you all, what's your, who's your most challenging opponent? Go ahead. Who's your most challenging opponent that you've ever oh, played? Oh, you're in? asking? Yeah. You're asking me? Just throw a name out there, whoever you want to. Uh, you mean a team or a player? A way. player in the midfield that you had to compete against in yeah you put me on the spot here um yeah there's a there's a lot of all right we'll just teams. just say let's say nagby let's okay say nagby. so it's like oh wow great darlington nagby is your most challenging opponent why okay he's super fast really good on the ball okay great now what if i the only opportunity i get to use that as information is if i play professionally against Darlington Nagby. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's not uh it's not really productive. I wanna like have the conversation with you sharing your pathway and the challenge and okay, I had to take a step potentially down to go play at match fit, but then I got more playing opportunities. I worked with a really good coach and then this is the opportunity I got recruited to go to residency and then in residency I really struggled with x y and z so I needed to adjust this and that right. and then a player is like oh wow you know I'm struggling with that too and I can maybe apply this or I can think about it in a different way and apply it to their career so just to have real conversations and maybe to ask more of the the challenging questions like I think of of Royer's podcast when I started off like okay is this a fair statement that this person wrote and why was it written? So I asked him like, because the article was um, from 96 flop to the James Bond of New York. And it's like, what does that mean? Why did you struggle at Hanover? Which nobody really talks about. Like if a player's struggling right. with form, it's like, oh, come on, get it together, guy. Like what's going on? But is that player going through something in their life that, you know, is a challenge and, you know, then they talk about that experience and it really puts things into perspective or they're playing really well, but it's like, oh yeah, but you know, my kid was, was sick in the hospital with, with something. And it's like, holy right. shit, how did, how were you able to perform the way you did yeah. and then talk sure. about those situations. So just to have those real 
conversations that yeah. could be useful you to get somebody more else. Detail, right. Give like, a plat- platform where people, players can talk about things in more, more in depth. Yeah, because you hear an interview of maybe a two-minute clip or like a news clip of, of something, and then you want to dive deeper into the interview and what the, the context of that was rather than right. giving this, this short form. Um, so, yeah, it's great to hear that your most challenging opponent is, is Darlington Nagby, and it's fun to hear why, but then it's like, okay, great. Now, how can I use that? So right. um, I wanted to... Pre- create and to have conversations that were useful and to have content that was relative for people to use in their everyday life okay so, did i answer all that question i know you yeah you did off. you did so no, joe rogan was, for sure really yeah. good. and so i guess aside from uh you know this is probably a selfish question but aside from our friend group mm. With our immediate friend group you know sure. like our childhood friends mm. which uh which interviews have you done um, that have been like kind of your low key favorites, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess Matt Turner isn't part of that uh, friend group, so I'd say yeah. his for sure. His was really interesting to to hear his progression as a youth athlete playing multiple sports to then seeing that he's or, or people telling him that he's pretty good goalkeeper that it's like oh maybe I should get into goalkeeping and then to um, progress the way that he did and get the opportunity just through uh, hard work and, and getting an opportunity by getting seen and then um, working his way through and being level headed and asking questions and, and listening to, to people's advice and, and now being the starting goalkeeper for uh, the Revs um, I mean Danny's was really good. Danny Royer's was really good. I liked hearing why he moved and how he made the decision to come to the U.S. and and then uh, the different moves that he made and what the thought process was. So that's I guess goes back to your first question: getting the thought process and and how decisions were made, so players could apply that to to their decision making. Because that's a, like I said, one of the biggest pieces: making really informed decisions. Um, and then Matt Castles is really good. I enjoyed that one because um, he was one that we all pretty much looked up to because he was the, you know, he was the player that Red Bull was, yeah, he was the face pushing of the through. Academy, yeah, he was us, the face right. of the academy for sure and went to Maryland and could have came out of school, but then he stayed. So hearing why he stayed and, and how that um, all, all played out. Uh, Danny Zatella's was really good. Um, I mean, all the conversations I I really enjoyed. Like, I think a lot of people gained a lot of knowledge from Jared, uh, Jared Embick, the the Akron coach, and hearing how he developed as a coach and what he looks for in a player and how he, you know, works with the the team. So um, I guess those are probably the, the top five. I think actually Jared's is the most listened to one on oh, the, the podcast so i remember seeing you post that on instagram yeah, that's so awesome i was like that yeah, was in because he's uh i guess maybe he doesn't do that many interviews or he doesn't do <laughs> any know. webinars so they took advantage of, of hearing them but yeah i mean they're, they're, they've all been they all had really valuable pieces i think like i don't think there's been one where it's like oh there's nothing useful in that episode so yeah so 
that leads me to my next question. You know, the youth soccer season is. Wait, starting. hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. Which one was your favorite? Uh, Besides my mine. favorite, well, <laughs> my my favorite aside from yours. Which one would you recommend the listeners listening to? Uh, well, I I have a lot of respect for uh, Myel. I really mm. enjoyed listening to that podcast. That one and, was really good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people, uh, you know, kind of forget about his story you know mm-hmm. he's in europe and we don't hear much about it stateside yeah but i think that he's just a great guy a super interesting character uh, motivated um he's shown a lot of um determination i mean he sacrificed so much to get to where he is today mm-hmm. so to see him uh and in, in the life and career that he's built in europe i think is is really impressive and i have a lot of respect for what he's accomplished um so I think that, I, you know, I really enjoyed listening to Myel's mm. uh, perspective. Matt Turner's was great. Uh, Danny, I'm always going to be biased <laughs> towards Danny, but I love his story. Yeah. And I know Danny personally really well. And so, uh, you know, I know how calculated he is. He's a very smart guy. You know, I he was so nervous. His... He was so nervous coming on. It he's going to hate That's surprising that. because he's, um, you know, he has, he, he's super intelligent. He's like, your you English know, really is better like than mine, about... Danny's. Danny, yeah, I really, I really like hearing about his experiences in Europe and the different cultures, and you know, it's great to see uh, how much success he's had here. So, mm-hmm. long-winded answer, but um, you know, I do no, really enjoy good. the podcast. And um, yeah, I guess my, my question before you cut me off there, sorry, was I'm uh, learning how to be a guest. The youth uh, with the youth soccer season starting back up again. Do you think you'll still have? You know what? What can the listeners expect in terms of the podcast going forward? Are you looking to get, um, you know, a certain amount of guests in per month, per yeah. week? Um, you know, yeah, talk about that a little bit. I hope to continue it. Now that's the goal. I know that there are so many webinars and and uh, and podcasts and videos that are being produced now virtually, and and people are consuming a lot of content. Um, be, and they're producing a lot of content because of some of the downtime. But I uh, I anticipate and plan to at least do one, two a week. Um, I would think there are a lot of people to hear from out there. I think I've you know have just gotten started with tapping into uh, networks and like who who um, you know, there's so many different stories. There's so many people you can hear from. So I think it's important to to share those stories and perspectives, and even more so, I think I hope that it's consumed more, especially when traveling to games, right, and to to listen to to that uh, to this material rather than maybe music to get you in the right uh, mindset. I know there's so much driving going to and from games. Um, to listen and, and have that educational experience to to um, to learn and take advantage of it rather than listening to the same song on repeat like I used to do going to yeah. to games and like you for listen sure. to the same song for 15 minutes so yeah no I plan to um, just then it's about figuring out who and keeping the the material and and content relevant and how players can and families can relate to it and and like i said i think there's so much so many untapped conversations out there that can be had and there's so much information that can can be shared and just doing it in the right way so um so yeah long story short yes i hope to and i plan to uh 
to line up guests here for for awesome. a long I, I long think, time uh, to come. If I had a, a, you know one recommendation, I would say that you should continue to tap into that network you have and you know ask us to get you in touch with different guests that you would want. You know, I personally would love to hear Coach Kerr from Duke mm. um, talk and you yeah, know, different college, guys on college coaches have been a hit, by the way. Right. Because I like think a, it's really interesting. You know, I would love to hear from uh, Coach Kerr and you know his thoughts on college soccer and you know mm. it's evolving and how it's changing. So. Um, I think yeah, players, just say, like, players really, help you. yeah, players really gain valuable uh, knowledge from those conversations because, like I said, that and, and like you know, a lot of players hope to go on and play in college. So if they can hear it firsthand from a coach, um, and I think it's so much different. It's so different than than seeing like an article written and, and a coach, you know, sharing his his quote to actually having them, you know this this um platform in terms of them a player hearing the voice right and right. to hear it first i feel like there's just so much more to that and you can really gain the context of what's being said rather than just reading something uh through an article or a quick snippet from from a little video interview so love it so again we could talk about the podcast all day yeah. but um you know, I do think that's another good transition to some some quick fire questions. Again, uh-huh. try to get your listeners to get them to excited, better to to better get to know you. Oh, okay. So, um, I do have some questions. I think that again, it's important for uh, different youth players, parents, yeah. coaches listening to to know more about you. So, you ready for that? Yeah, let's let's do some some quick ones here. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you? Twenty seven now. Um, Be twenty eight. Yep. 28 I'll be 28 keep it at 27 so who are your favorite players growing up favorite players growing up I mean Zidane and Iesta all the like Messi of course Um, I guess I gotta throw in a left back there Uh, so Roberto Carlos Um, gotta throw Beckham in there that's where I got the the driven ball from um (laughs) I mean, there are so many Michael Essie and I used to love Michael Essie and what a hard nose. Yeah, yeah, players is. probably don't I mean, know yeah, who that I mean, is. nah, yeah, look up Michael Essie and if you're a defensive midfielder or or an 8, check out Michael Essie and I mean, I wouldn't say I had a favorite one. I just I mean, Gerard too, Lampard. Right. It was Do you have just, any favorite uh Metro Stars players? Favorite Metro Star player for sure, Clint Mathis. For sure. He was there the, we go. the I was I was a forward growing up, so I was like got the same haircut as him same cleats adidas manias best cleats to this day yeah i remember seeing pictures of you can, with uh with him can you get adidas to bring back uh a, a manias like really produce them not these like not these uh 50 and and 100 uh productions of the shoes and then they're they're selling for like five thousand. just tell them to mass produce them again everybody everybody will buy them Best cleats okay. out there. I'll, I'll, I'll have a word. word have in. a word with your Adidas guy there. I will. Okay. So next question: Your favorite teams growing oh, up? So many. I wouldn't say I'm a supporter of like a specific team. I, Barcelona. Barcelona, okay. because they're just the and most. So is that, your, is that still your favorite team? That it, like if you were to say all the. I mean, I enjoy favorite team. Yes, but if I were to say there's Manchester City on Bayern. Uh, Juventus, you name all the teams in the world, I'd pick Barcelona game to watch. Maybe a Dortmund game too. Liverpool, I mean, 
it depends like what liverpool is doing now and what klopp is doing just like that energy i i really appreciate that i think like even atalanta i'm sure nobody watches atalanta games unless they're a big fan of the the team but i mean it a lot of things go in cycles so like they're they're performing really well they're fun to watch um just want to see see good good football at the end of the day love it all right so let's see what else i got here so i guess uh can you describe your your coaching style like how do you want your team to play passionate and intense and committed okay and tactically like playing out of the back oh see this is like for a whole nother episode like yeah. this is the one of those things. Give us that a, a quick it, overview. Yeah. It depends on the players. Okay. Like if you don't have anybody that can play out of the back, why am I going to try and play out of the back? Right, but let's say you do. You have the yeah, players. No, obvious possession, high tempo, changing the point of attack, often. Um, I mean, shit. If I got two fast wingers, I'm not going to be foolish and say let's play around the back. Let's get it into them and get them one v one. Like. It all depends. Yeah, it's like people has people have their philosophies and like stick to it no matter what. It's like, oh yeah, we I encourage wing play. And then what if you're you get a cycle of players that come through and you have no wingers and they're just absolutely terrible on the ball. You're still gonna play right. wide play. So that's Gotta for a whole adjust. other conversation. But in <laughs> yeah. turn, yeah, I want to be on the ball. I want players to to be uh, committed, intense, passionate, like. I think it comes from the energy and mentality more than yeah it sounds than like you're ball. describing liverpool but next question liverpool okay. and, and and red bull combined red bull um, leipzig okay uh what what would be your dream job oh dream job i th- i think it would have to be a general manager of a club um probably not youth club i don't know maybe it would be a youth club there's so many politics that go into each end of it. So I would just yeah, need to really imagine. think about which one it would be more difficult to deal with. But I think managing a club, um, in a sense, from, from top to bottom, um, I think it would be awesome to do what like Red Bull Leipzig did, starting from the, whatever, the basement of Bundesliga and working your way up. I mean, right. taking over a lower league team somewhere and working up. I like projects, so... Um, I think it would be really fun to start maybe like in a, a tier three and see how you could work up and, and implement a, a, a philosophy and, and culture within a club. And um, I think location is really important too. So that would be a big piece of it. But um, I think, yeah, management in the sense of the the overview of a club, not management of a specific team. I mean, okay. it would be awesome to get a, to be national team coach uh, at whatever level, whether that's 17s, 20s, or the full national team. Um, but I think I would enjoy the overall aspect of, of building, you know, from top to bottom a club. So I guess that'd be a technical director or general manager. Yeah, I can attest to that. You do love building things, bro. Yeah. Built that bar in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people Sitting need to now. learn more about you off the field and your <laughs> off the field uh, habits because I think people have a lot to learn in, in that regard as well. But again, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll wrap this up here. Yeah. I got one last question for you uh, in terms of the podcast. Who would, who would your dream guest be, bro? I've thought about this. I got five. And they're five. 
Five. You clearly have thought about this. All right. Let's yeah, see. because when, you know, when I think like when I plan for guests, like I started started with you and our inner friend group, and then I was like, okay, what's that next group of connect? So I've I have a right. list, a running list here of of who I hope to right. have on. So my top five, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. And I'll I'll get these two out of the way because they're not on it. Messi okay. and Ronaldo are not on it. Okay. okay. So my my top five. All right. Gary Neville, I brought him up earlier because English, nice. he's super intelligent. He know he understand he has some really good ideas on the game and like I said earlier, he absolutely was a disaster at Valencia. So why? Was it the language? Was it the players? Was it the time? Like what was it? Right. All right. Um Ravel Morrison who I brought up. I want to maybe it's not specifically Ravel Morrison, but these quote-unquote wonder kids that, you know, have supposedly the the ability to take over the world when it comes to to soccer uh maybe maybe a boy on whatever uh that then struggled and why what what was going on in your career what maybe got to your head how to how to maybe give advice to players to manage a situation differently roy Keane, because this guy is just so real so transparent says it exactly how it's going to be and no no bullshit from him he is the, the one of the most polarizing guys i think to that people need to hear more from um this one i think is going to surprise a lot of people sep blatter for those of you that don't know who sep blatter is he was the president of fifa um and there's all this corruption behind him i know he's getting old i hope he kind of turns the page here and is like a whistleblower on a lot of things and and shares you know a lot of the corruption to to maybe clean some things up here um and then probably the dream guest is david beckham um just from top to bottom from his uh time at, at manchester united during his his youth career and being in that class of 92 and and working with sir alex ferguson and then why the move to Real Madrid, what else was on the table, what went into that, that transfer, and then obviously coming to MLS and the time he had here. And then he's one that has built a club from scratch too with Inter Miami. So getting that perspective on what it's like to, um, to you know, start from literally nothing to now have what they have in, in Miami. So yeah, those, those are the, the top five that I have that We'll see. Maybe, I love it. Maybe one day. One day. I think Aggie's can... got to help you out down there yeah. in Miami. Get get Beckham on. Maybe a Beckham uh, Aggie podcast. Agadello, knock on the door of his office, please. <laughs> so there we go. But that's awesome, bro. And I, you know, I don't want to yeah. make this too long. Obviously, we could talk. All yeah, day that's long, okay. But... Here's one question that I got for you: right. Is the is the are the podcast episodes too long? I don't think so. I don't know how people will feel about this one because uh, what are we pushing now time wise right. probably like an hour and a half um but like, i personally don't think that's too long like i i thought about breaking them up into two parts but then like does it get lost or like when does somebody see like the second one pop up and only listen to the second part of the episode and not the first and then it's lost or it's like do i just say you know i got to do 30 minute episodes and have really in-depth conversations about one specific topic because like we talked about a whole bunch of different things like we talked about um what i learned from a player and then applied it as a coach like that could easily be 
30 minutes. Like when I talk to, to right. you about the, the college process, like maybe just finding a specific topic and doing like a really condensed, um, you know, 30 minute episode. But then again, I don't want to like restrict somebody and say, look, 30 minutes, here it is. This is right. the topic. Yeah, I think. Because I want it to be that open yeah, forum. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess my initial thoughts on that are, you know, as a, as you, you're the interviewer, so you have a and you have a good feel for the conversation and the yeah. direction it's going. And I think as long as you're enjoying the conversation and, um, you know, the guest is enjoying it, then you shouldn't put a time limit on it. Yeah. And you should give them the floor to to talk about topics that, however in depth they want to get. You know, so because the listeners think, the uh, listeners can break it up if they want to listen to it ten minutes at a time, then you can listen to it right. ten minutes at a time. Yeah. So exactly. So I don't know. It's also important, obviously, to to get feedback from the listeners. But you know, I think it's it's going really well so far, bro. And I'm. I'm happy you're doing this. Proud of you for doing this, and Appreciate I'm excited that. for the guests that you're going to bring on uh, yeah. going forward. What what guests do you want to do with me and have on? Who would like? Uh, can we maybe we got to do Jesse one day or like Giuseppe Rossi? Those would be two that I think you could facilitate yeah, a really good. Conversation. I think for sure. I think Giuseppe would be a great one. You know, a Jersey guy. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to get to know him over the past couple of years because he's he was training with Red Bull for a little, but. I think Giuseppe would be a great guest. I think when the season slows down for Jesse, for one sure, day you'll yeah. have to talk to Jesse. I know. Um, I think we have, have a lot of respect similar beliefs and how things should be communicated and how the game should be right. played and management. So yeah, that would be that would be fun. So, but I yeah, think you did a good enough that, job here. You did a good enough job. I think I'd have you back. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> that. You know, it's first time for everything, but yeah. Um, yeah, this has been awesome, bro. I appreciate you uh, letting me uh, get involved here and. You know, wishing you all the best for this podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I don't think I clarified our initial start. I'll, I'll end with this for the listeners because they're like, these guys are just going to keep going back and forth. But <laughs> you know how I started the first podcast with you when I said, you yeah. know, public speaking thing? That's the one thing that I've really learned to really finish out the, the thought. So for the listeners, if you've listened to the first episode, the first minute of the episode, I talked about Sean and his public speaking ability. And I don't think I really clarified why I brought that up. Um, but the reason I brought it up was because Sean is probably the best public speaker that I know. I've seen it firsthand as the best man at my wedding. I saw that unbelievable Red Bull team speech. And the reason I brought it up is because I'm trying to better communicate and articulate sentences and thoughts and perspectives for the listeners. So that is why I started the initial podcast off. And I think they've come a long way in how I articulate and and uh, form thoughts and sentences for, for the listeners. I think so too, bro. And, so. you know... I wouldn't lie to you, but I, I remember texting you after listening to your uh, episode and I thought the whole thing was typed out. So <laughs> I think uh, that would be a long book. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking like, did he really type this out? Probably not. But um, I think it came across really well. And Appreciate um, that. yeah, bro, I think it it's good to hear that you have different goals in mind, and, um, that you're challenging yourself. So I think you should be proud of that and you got to keep going. Yeah. I appreciate that. And thanks for interviewing me and taking the time during your busy schedule as captain of the New York Red Bull and, and leader of the one of the leaders is the player union, right? So and yeah, no problem, bro. Anytime. So we'll be in touch. Right. Great you work, find out bro. some guests and uh, we'll do great one. What you're doing and yeah. um, 
go take care of those dogs. I will. Thanks, brother. All right, bro.